I think Zoom though too has gotten so much better, like over over since COVID. Oh yes. It, you know so. Oh yeah, so much easier. The other thing that's great is that I can record my auditions. Let's say mm. have an audition. Um, you can host and throw me the ability to record and mm. save my. So if I'm using like a coaching service or an audition service, right? They send me the link. They make me co-host. I record it. It stays on my computer and. Wow. God, it's very good. I wish I had it. Uh, that's something I wish I had known um, three months ago. Uh, Why? What are you? Are you acting? I was. I mean, I was. I, I started out as an actor and a comedian, and then um, I got tired of being given crap roles and decided I would go ahead and start doing like directing and writing and stuff. So I haven't acted in a while. Same, same, I same trajectory sounds like, but we're at a very, uh, we're at a real nexus for ourselves right now. It's a really, really crucial moment for us. So speaking of that, so, um, when so where are you so let's start from the beginning let's 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 re- rewind where are you originally from well i was born in new york city i'm from brooklyn new york my father was born in oh. brooklyn and i went to midwood high school uh in oh. brooklyn flatbush brooklyn um i first i went to st anne's briefly in brooklyn heights and i got kicked out of there wow. uh, and when got sent straight to midwood but <laughs> it, from age 4 to 14 I lived in Caracas, Venezuela, Um, and uh, that's where I learned to speak Spanish. My uncles and aunts were all there. My mom started a school there, even though my mom is actually Indian, South Indian. Oh, wow. And she didn't speak any Spanish when we went there. My father didn't speak Spanish when we went there. He was so wow. annoyed. He w- Well, annoyed isn't the word. He, when Martin Luther King died and then Bobby Kennedy died and then Nixon got in. My dad was like, oh, I cannot even live here. Mm, and he just picked us up and took us away. And it was like he didn't really know exactly what he wow. was doing necessarily, even though his family was from there and stuff. He was like a Madison Avenue madman. He, oh, wow. he was a creative art director on Madison Avenue in, in New York City. He was like at the top of the plaza. My mom met him. He had five girlfriends, a wife, a convertible, and an ascot. And um, <laughs> and so when he picked up and went to Venezuela, I'm sure it was like a major culture shock. Oh, yeah. But he ended up running the largest ad agency in Caracas at the time. What, what like around what time? Well, like what around what year it was, was that? The seventies, uh, the, the mid seventies to the end of the set, the beginning of the eighties. The the golden age for for advertising. That's right. Wow. In the 60s, he started in the 60s in New York City. So he was there. He was the original madman, my dad. He wow. really was. Wow. Um, That's yeah. amazing. So, um, so how, so like, so you're what age? Like, I guess you're, are you in high school around that time? So I moved back to New York City from growing up like a, you know, really very sheltered lifestyle in Caracas. Um, Caracas is, 
is an example of what could happen in the United States, you know, mm. if we keep going the way we're going, where there's a few people that have a very lovely, elegant, civilized lifestyle, and the rest is a barbaric, inhumane pit mm. of misery. Right. Um, and so we were uh, in that band of, of people that went to had a country club and I had someone that took care of me and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until I was about 13 years old when um, the lady that took care of me that was kind of, I loved her so much. She was like my mommy. Like we would lay in bed together and watch um, telenovelas and all of this. And when I was 13, she invited me to come to her house mm. for her child's birthday and it blew my mind because first really? of all, I was like, wait a minute, you have a house? <laughs> wow. This is your house. And second of all, you have a son? You know, I can't even. So I wow. came and, and my parents let me go there, which was also so disturbing to me. Mm. You know, I just mm. couldn't deal with it. I was like, uh-uh, we can't live in a place like this. Mm. I said, we got to go back to America where everybody's yeah. equal and treated equally, theoretically, right? Theoretically. And so, you know, we, yeah. we know that that's, that's kind of yeah. fantasy yeah. island. When did you, when did you start getting into uh, acting? Well, I was seven when I started acting, you know, being that my dad made commercials and stuff, I I was started uh, um, in Caracas at the Caracas Theater Club hmm. in uh, a production of um, what's the one? The Von Trapps, The Sound of Music. Oh, Sound of Music. Yeah. Yes. And oh, then wow. from there, um, I convinced my parents to, as I mentioned, move back to New York, and I immediately. Um, signed up for class at Herbert Berghoff Studios in, mm. down in the West Village and got an agent immediately and wow. um, started on Sesame Street. I had oh yeah, regular on that show for two seasons while I was at, uh, at Midwood High School. I seemed, somehow I recall that like you either mentioning that in another interview or something. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Sesame Street is so underrated, man. That was such a, Dope show, and um, very important show for especially important. for like la little Latino kids in the in in New York City that had somebody they could look to, and then there was Spanish. I would speak Spanish, so mm. I was Mercedes. I had come from Puerto Rico, <laughs> and I was the little cousin of Maria, and so she mm. would go around saying things, and I'd say mesa, and then she'd say table. And so, you know, that's what my function was. Is it my imagination or is like that era of like children's television was so much was so much better in like so much more informed, like a lot of the television that was happening, like the, you had Zoom, you had Sesame Street, you had, um, you know, Mr. Rogers, obviously, but it was so much more informed. Yes. Well, I think the um, one of the things that I believe is that in removing the fairness doctrine or whatever that um, regulatory media 
rule was we really effed ourselves completely because now we have essentially opinion. You know, everybody's got an opinion there. That's why this whole misinformation can take hold because facts are no longer facts. It's always colored. Mm. And, um, you know, as an actor, I do, I color everything I say. It's like, if I want you to think this is green, believe me, by the end, you know, you'll be seeing green. But right. that's not the function of our government. It's not the function of our news organizations or any educational sort of programming. Right. And, and we've, we've eliminated the clarity, the distinction. We've sort of blurred the lines. You know, we've got infotainment and edutainment and... And bottom line, it's green, greenertainment, right? So yeah. whatever, like we chase the almighty dollar right to the bottom of the sink and then go down the drain. That's yeah, it, it's um, you know, we can we can jump in. I, I I'm gonna say, you know, I um. I first one of my favorite shows you were on. Like, man, looking at your filmography is amazing. First of all, because it seems like every show that you were on was one of my favorites. You were on ah. Spencer for Hire. You were on Miami Vice. You were on Twenty One Jump Street. You were on Star Trek Voyager. I was like, okay, so we could go down this whole rabbit hole all day long. <laughs> but what I didn't know was how brilliant of of a filmmaker. And an activist, you are. I sat and watched Equal Means Equal. And oh, thank you. I was like, first of all, there were like there were parts of it where my mouth was agape. And there were parts of it where I was just like shaking my head, going, Yeah, yeah, I know that. I feel I, I sympathize. It was such a well put, I love documentaries, but this was such a well put together documentary where like, I just, yeah, I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. I really appreciate that. It took me kind of 10 years of my life because when I came upon this information, I felt morally obligated to communicate it. And then because it was almost too big to grasp, I had to really sort of do like an analysis of it ended up being 25, 26 different areas in society that I mm. had to look at to see whether, in fact, having basic equality would af affect it in any way and if it would be po a positive way. Right. And so as I was looking at all these things, I started to think, my God, um, I have to make an argument in 90 minutes. And the argument... I realized about five or six years in, it's not about a laundry list of injustices and indignities. Mm. What it is is showing the cage that the law has put around women and how, how in complete violation of what we purport to be and say that is mm. and just sort of exposing that because because I need help because until millions of people are aware of this um, catch 22 as it as it were of our constitutional inequality and how that plays into all of these social ills until that happens there's there's 
they can always game us and they play us. These two political parties play women so beautifully. It's actually like almost like the whole game is a meta example of what it is to be a woman. Mm. It's going to the wolves to ask for please to have keys to our liberation. Mm. While they're out there on the stage, the world stage, Biden talking about how he respects women's equality. It's just the gaslighting is so intense that I feel like women have internalized this this sort of cognitive dissonance of what it is to be a woman versus what they're telling me it is, that it's almost like, um, honestly, it's it's abuse and torture. It's psychological torture. Mm -hmm. Because if you step out of that box and you point at it, everybody looks at you like invasion of the fucking body snatchers. (laughs) What are you talking about? We are the number one feminist nation in the world. You should be so lucky, you know, you should be so lucky. And it just makes you feel like this intense impotence Mm. and, 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 and also rage because since I started, when I started this fight, 3.4 women were dying every day in the United States at the hands of an intimate partner or spouse. Right. Then they came up with the VAWA, right. Violence Against Women Act. They've pumped $20 billion into that boondoggle, that mm. bullshit, essentially. <laughs> I don't know the ins and outs, and I'm going to get killed for saying this, but if you look at the reality and step back, five women are being killed every day today. So tell me. Did that $20 billion work? Why can't we just make women equal in the Constitution so when we get to court, we have a fucking leg to stand on? I'm sorry. It's just about they don't want it to happen, Darren. They don't want it to happen. The funny thing, not funny, but the thing about it is is that whether it's 3.4 or 5, one is too many. You know what I'm saying? So that's always been my, like, I've never... The one of the things I, you know, I've always in this, you know, I I'm I applaud you trying to to do this film because to your point there are so many entry points to this conversation, and they're all very different but similar but 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 also the same, and um, it. To take this on, you could almost drown in 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 facts and figures and in stories, and it could almost be overwhelming to kind of even. My try original to script was seven hundred pages long. Oh, the movie was seven and a half hours long. Mm. It took me four years to get it to what you saw, because I had to keep doing. You know, seeing like right, like what kills me is the native women that got left out, right. the women on the borders, the women that are being trafficked. You know, the sheriff's department and immigration and the Mexican police, and all of that is involved with horrific situations for women that are in a completely legal gray area. Right. But I had to X out. I had to kill so many babies. You, they'd put me in jail in Missouri <laughs> for abortion. But um, mm. you know, 
But, but I mean, it's part of the creative. That's, I mean, you kind of have to do it in order to get the story out, right? It's like, it's either some or none, you know, because otherwise, well, I mean, I guess you could turn it into a series or you could kind of, you know, maybe do part two or, or you know, but that you were able to even get, like, I feel like this is such a dense, dense documentary that actually doesn't feel dense like like you know what i mean like Good. like i feel like you did a great job of taking the pockets and explaining and sharing whatever stories in it and then interconnecting those stories um and it, through the editing and so through whatever you know the stories that were being told I, very well i am I, I was very actually surprised i hadn't heard about more about this documentary Listen, um, let's let's be real about what is happening with the Equal Rights Amendment and women in general. Mm. This this there's no reason why you haven't heard about this, except that no one wants you to hear about this. Right. Because the second when 96 percent of Americans believe that a lie is the truth, when the truth comes, the people stand to lose whatever the reason is that they have everybody believing this lie. Right. I don't have any money or any power. And the people that do stand to see a real shift the ERA is a game changer. Right. Complete game changer. There yep. is it is equal pay. It's not the Lilly Ledbetter Act, the Equal Act, the this act. It's a fact. You must pay people equally regardless of sex. That's a game changer across the board. But mm. the more the more frightening game changer to the patriarchy is equal justice for violence against women, which is the way that the patriarchy keeps us in line, keeps us from breaking out. And maybe, you know, we do 100 million unpaid hours of labor every year, mm. 100 million unpaid hours of labor. That's taking care of kids, the elderly, the sick, whatever has to be done. You know, society runs, the wheels of society run on the backs of unpaid women. That's how come everything's so smooth. Yep. The second we address that, you know that that housekeepers and farm workers and a bunch of bands of women that were um, groups that were mostly women were left out of social security when, mm. when uh, they made that deal. They threw women under the bus then. They throw them under the bus historically. ERA is, it's, it's, it's reparations, right? It's an amendment. <laughs> yeah. It's making amends for what you have done to us. 51% of the population since inception. Right. So that's why you haven't heard about the film. Wow. And that's why um, I need just all the help I can get from people of goodwill to simply say, no, women right. are not equal. What does it mean? It means that we are the third most dangerous nation in the world for sexual violence tied with Syria, according to the United Nations. That's what it means. Yeah. When you, when I heard that, I was like, I, I was, I was both shocked, but not surprised. And that's not good. I should not, I should not be like, oh yeah, that makes sense, because uh, that's that's terrible. 
um, and what what I was what I was most surprised at um, while I was watching it, and I I, was, I couldn't believe I, I I could remember my face as this person. It was a section of the film where people were like asking, "Hey, do you know what ERA stands for?" And there were people who didn't know. Nobody like, knew. Nobody you, knew. Earned run average <laughs> era. Is it laundry detergent? I was so surprised. I mean, shocked that no one knew what that meant. I, I've known what that meant ever since I was a kid. And that was, you know, during the time when the ERA really was at the forefront of the conversation. But here's, you know, here's the thing about this topic and racism is that today people go, well, I didn't think that was a problem anymore. I didn't understand why people are so up, up in the air. I'm like, if you've ever watched The Usual Suspects, there's a line in that movie that fits this very well. And the line is, the greatest trick the devil has ever pulled was to convince the world that it didn't, that he didn't exist. And I think the same thing happens to these topics and to, and to racial topics is that the there are people who's who are very good at making us believe, hey, here's this. Okay, it's all over now. Let's move on. You know, and that's and and we we fall for it. We fall right. for it. That's right. And and in the case of women's rights, I believe that the mainstream establishment uh, women's movement sold out women by mm. in 1982 saying, okay, we'll take the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, we'll take the Equal Pay Act, we'll take these acts that are purely political statutes that can change, that can be f- unfunded, defunded, cha- one, instead of going for the gold, and the gold is the Constitution, and the fact that Women were left out when we formed this nation. Blacks were left out when we formed this nation. These things need to be addressed. They can't be swept under the rug and just build on top of... It's like if you're going to build a house, you have to pour a foundation. And women are building these elaborate structures that cannot, that don't hold. And so when they shatter and fall to the ground, everybody goes, oh, my God. What right, happened? Right. And they don't realize nobody's bothered to dig the foundation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's sad to hear that. I mean, I'm glad it's, it's happened, but it's sad to hear that it took until January of 2022 for ERA to be ratified. And I'm like, well, so in January of 2020, we ratified, we won Virginia. So what right. we did is we took the film in 2016 and we went around the country and we started forming these groups women would see the film they'd get angry they'd Mm. form a local chapter ratify era illinois ratify era virginia and then they would go to their states and start lobbying and they would have house parties and they would do more screenings start and so we managed we went out to all the unratified states Mm. and we tried to we only needed three Right. So the first state we got was the state of Nevada and um, an African-American state senator by the name of Pat Spearman, who you should interview on the show. She's amazing. Mm. She's running for mayor of Las Vegas now. She is a military veteran. 
She is African American. She's a member of the LGBTQ community and she's a minister. She, she got ERA passed in Nevada in 2017. That gave the rest of the country that were fighting for it like a big boost, like, let's go, let's go. We only right. got two more. Right. And we went like hell into Virginia. We went to Arizona. We went to Missouri. And we went to Illinois. Now, mm. Illinois seemed like we got Chicago. We got the the biggest, um, you know, groups of, of African-American women that are very active, uh, push coalition, all the rainbow push, and all of them, the mm. deltas. And we just went in there and we just hammered it. And um, uh, Senator Lou Lang said 25 years he had been fighting for ERA in Illinois. And when Equal Means Equal showed up, we got it after 25 years. That was in May of 2018. Now we only have one state left. And we were going to Virginia every year because Virginia, well, Virginia what yeah. can I say? But right. the rest of them, even more so. Okay. Right. Even right. more so. Alabama, Mississippi, forget it. Right? Right. right. So we're like Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. And those guys would lie to my face every year and say, oh, yes, we're totally going to do it. We're going to bring it to the floor for a vote. But there were these four, I hate to call them, you know, what they are. Four dudes that held the fate of 163 million women in their hands, and they loved it. Yeah. Oh, God, they loved it. They were throwing white power signs on the floor of the fucking house. Wow. Okay, because because racism and sexism are intertwined. Yeah. Because they want to keep everybody down. If they can keep black people down and gay people down and anybody they can keep down but women, it just feels so good to them. They right. love that so much. Especially so that we can't control our bodies, so we, we're stuck constantly pregnant and unable to you know, make our way in the world, etc. Mm. These guys, we finally decide, you know what, we're going to get you guys out. All right. That's what all I am going to focus on for the next two years of my life is seeing you gone. Bye bye. And put the first African American man in Virginia's history in yep. Suffolk County. Yep. And we put the first woman in 400 years as Speaker of the House in Virginia, and we got the effing ERA passed in 2020. At which point we thought, wow, hallelujah, let's bring out the ticker tape parade. But no, what happened? Donald Trump told yeah. Bill Barr to send a letter to the archivist not to publish the Equal Rights Amendment. And so equal means equal immediately sued. The next day, we filed against him. We said, you don't have a choice. You're an effing librarian, dude. Do your job. He has never, ever questioned the publication of an amendment upon receiving the 38th state before. When it comes to women, suddenly his hands are tied. I'm sorry. This is the patriarchy, Darren. This is the way it works. And so he goes, no, I need a court order. So now I'm in the courts. Me, broke ass me with my amazing attorney, Wendy Murphy, right? who's professor of law at New England Law Boston, heads up the women's and children, fights for raped babies every day. That's mm. my lawyer. 
we're up against the U.S. government and we think, okay, here's what we got to do. We just got to hold on till Biden gets in. He'll drop the case. He'll publish. Right. So we hold on. We appeal. We go, you know, we make this whole bid for the Supreme Court. They turn us down. We go to regular appeal. They they say we have no standing as right. women to fight yeah. for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we said, you know what? We're going to appeal to the full appeals court. We appeal to the en banc. Means all 14 of these guys got to listen. And we're just praying, oh, God, get Biden in, get Biden in. Because he says on his website, upon ratification, the Equal Rights Amendment shall be adopted. That's what we thought. We had women like crazy all over the country for this. Crickets. Guy gets in. Before he gets in, we start doing social media. Are you going to publish? Publish the on the anniversary of ERA. Publish on January 27th. Crickets. He's still fighting us in the courts. He he tells us, the Office of Legal Counsel tells us, well, we got to get a new head of the Department of Justice in. They got to get settled. Then they got to hire this other dude in. And then he got to get settled. And then we'll talk about it. All of these things have happened, Darren. All of them. We waited for Merrick. We stood outside Merrick Garland's office all summer. Wow. I had women coming out of prison, coming out of prison with no jobs. I paid them $20 an hour to stand there outside every day mm. and show them the face of the women that need equality. Mm. Nothing. Crickets. Crickets. Then Chris Schrodinger, whatever that guy, Chris Schroeder is brought into the Department of Justice. He doesn't do anything about it. He says he can't, you know, he doesn't want to make it look political. This get this is how rich it is. They don't want to pull that bar letter because it looks like political, like they're they pulled a, a, a same case, the case against trans people pulled in the first week by Biden. Equality Act passed in the first week by Biden. So trans issues are pushed forward. And let me tell you what, and this is going to really get me into fucking trouble, but I want to explain something here right. because I believe that all people are equal. All people are equal. But what I do not believe is that we can lose the category of woman as a biological classification that allows us to get strict scrutiny under the law. Right. which is the big promise of the ERA. If you turn what a woman is into something, imagine if one day you could be black and the next day you're not feeling that black. You're feeling a little <laughs> white. Maybe tomorrow a white guy wakes up and he says, I feel completely black. I am black. Call me black or else I will be offended. Okay. So that's where we are in terms of women. Right. And that's, Fine, whatever. But the problem is that if being a woman is mutable, meaning it can move, right. it's on a spectrum, it's not a, an actual thing, it's a spectrum of things, then it can never receive strict scrutiny because strict right. scrutiny is based on a specific class, race, national origin, um, um, religion, right, sex. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, so we're just being we're we're they're playing high level chess on us and we are down here going what is going on 
what is going on? We don't have all the information. We know we're getting played. But also women are very polite and they've been taught to not be like me. <laughs> they've been taught to not step out of line because it, 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 it it's, it's classless. It, it doesn't look right or it, or, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, women should be out on the street right now demanding that Biden do what he said he was going to do and give us the very basic respect of being included in the constitution. The fact that we're even having this as a, as a kind of technical conversation is sick. It's sick. It's sick. Well, it's what the, I think it's what politicians are very good at, which it, which is semantics. It's every everything. I it is the one of the things that irks me the greatest about our country is that everything, all laws are built on semantics, and it's only as good as I need it to be in this moment. And that's the like. How does like? How is it that a country who's supposed to be promoting the ideals of democracy across the globe, um, how do they justify using semantics when it's necessary for them to do, you know, it's only, I can do it if it's good for me in this year, or I can do it, you know, it's one of the reasons why, like, like a long time ago, I thought about it, thought about trying to, you know, join politics, but then I, I was like, I feel like it's just too dirty for me. It's just it's too so dirty. They don't care. They have no principles. They don't, right. they say one thing to your face and they'll turn around and do something else. And I think to myself, why do we elect people that have no principles? And then I realize mm. it's because in order to run in this country, you have to be wealthy. And so you have to find your money somehow. And so then that's where it starts to get break down. Yeah. If we did what other countries did, which was say, if you get this many people, then you're a candidate and you get X, everybody gets the same amount of money and you get to make your statement. And then people pick. It's not about how many commercials you run. But if that's not handled, then what we see is whoever's the richest person wins because because I come from a town that knows how to make propaganda. I can make anything look like anything if I have enough money right. and enough repetition. I'll just keep repeating it. Yeah, Darren Jenkins is Chinese. He's a Chinese yep. guy. Darren Jenkins a, is Chinese. Can't Chinese, you see? Huh? Can't you see he's Chinese? You can see it, can't you? That's and then why, if you, you know. That's why I was always surprised, like, why people were surprised by Donald Trump. Like, why are you, like, why is anyone in this country surprised at this man? Because this is what happens. When you do what you do, even it's kind of like um, it's kind of like laundry. Like if you wa- if you wash clothes, after you wash clothes, at the bottom of the wash machine is this little ball of gook of stuff that came off clothes, lint, that kind of stuff. Well, that's what happens when you lie and you you propagate, you know, false information, and when you you. Uh, you you make concessions where you shouldn't be. All these things build into this one little dirty little thing. And that little thing happens to be a person who ended up running for president. It's just that simple. I mean, we are a victim of our own 
situation. I mean, it is the way that we, he's our creation. Just that simple. And very curious thing. One of um, our biggest ERA activist, Helene de Boisier Swanson, who walked across the United States um, Mm. to protest uh, that there was no ERA. And she really affected Senator Pat Spearman, who heard about her. And that's how all of that started. She said she showed um, all of us a photo of a Nazi rally in Madison Square Garden in the 30s, I believe it was, that was paid for and put together in part by Donald Trump's father. So she believes that there's been a plan, there's been a neo-Nazi plan since that time to Mm. take over this country and that, you know, Trump was the beginning of that movement. And now we see, we see neo-Nazism in Florida coming up. We've got all these attacks on um, black colleges and universities. We've got bomb threats. We've got um, people randomly just saying incredibly racist things out in the open and being absolved of it somehow. Right. We have attacks on, I mean, so we have to look at whether this is the long, that there was a long game with the mm. neo-Nazis um, that's that's just starting to... to I wouldn't be it. surprised. I wouldn't... I've, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm by, certainly not the most political person in the world. I am not... I, I don't have all the knowledge, in, but, you know, I'm, I'm also smart enough to see trends and, and things that are happening across errors. And, and you know, if it walks like a duck... <laughs> And it talks like a duck. It's a duck. And if you see enough of these things, incidents happening here and there, and unless you're completely oblivious or you don't want to see, which is entirely possible as well, um, there's a pattern that starts to form. And it is what it is. And then, of course, you get into them trying to muddy the waters and by saying, oh, conspiracy theories and, oh, you're crazy, and you know. Well, you know, what gets to me is if you look at all the mass shootings in the past 10 years, um, I would say over 90% of the perpetrators had misogyny as part of their intention. Mm. They disliked women. They felt slighted by them or had some beef with them in the case you know one of them he went to the yoga studio just just because that was where there were a bunch of women guy uh, directed at sorority houses so again we're not looking at how this hatred of women and this attempt to remove rights that we've had for 50 years and these just all these things that are that keep happening to us we're not looking at the broader picture of what it is it's about male supremacy but again it's not about black male supremacy or brown male supremacy it is white male supremacy that that holds the keys to the patriarchy and Mm. all of us are subject to it it's not just women that are underfoot you know, look at George Floyd. I mean, that talk about an image. The guy's knee on his neck. That's where we are as a as a country. And that's because we haven't stood up for our principles. Yeah. And we've been too lazy to really we took civics out of schools. Mm. We're taking yeah. art and 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 things out of schools that are necessary for the human being to be able to 
think creatively, to problem solve, to envision a better future. And instead, we're turning people more and more into dumb widget cows that can fit certain slots for that top band to continue to live on yachts or whatever the hell they do and talk to you from their yacht about how they care. Yeah. I mean, it's up to us really to take control back and we have that power, but I do feel that the media has to be re-regulated. I do feel that there needs to be regulation because We've lost our way in terms of morality. We don't teach ethics. When we got rid of religion, we threw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of ethics. How we treat people. What a civilization is. Why do we not live in tribes anymore and run around murdering each other for what we have? Because a civilization allows everybody to come up. But if you can devolve a situation within a generation, and that's what I think is happening right now. Mm. It's a very massive Um, and quick devolution. Um, And I think greed is at the heart of it. And I think unfettered capitalism is a major problem. You can't put a train on a track and say that every quarter it has to get faster and think that it's not going to run over people trying Mm. to cross the track. Mm. Because we had a train out of control, just running, running, and people going, "Ah," just, you know, come on. I always, you know, you know, for me, I don't know why people don't think like that. Look, I grew up in my mom was a single mom for most most of my life. She in in the 70s trying to, you know, make things work for me, my brother, my sister, you know, trying to go to school, trying to get a job, you know, all these different challenges and, and a lot of the stuff that, you know, you talked about in the film, she experienced as well. Um and I always think about it from that standpoint. I have a sister. I have a mom. I have a grandmother. I know my great grandmother. I know all these 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 you know these strong black women in my family. How would I want them to be treated? That's always that's how I always approach anything. I you know how would I would I want my mom to be paid fairly? Would I want her to be treated fairly? Not look. Not we're not saying special. We're not saying better. We're saying equal. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's you're a human being. It's like why can't people just understand? We're all humans. We're all we all got flaws. We all have challenges that we're going through. Why can't we just work together toward whatever goals we're trying to achieve instead of stepping on each other, trying to get whatever little scraps you can grab. For what? You're not going to be here that long. I mean, it's a hundred years, man. A hundred. So I try to keep, kind of put forth that positive energy as far as you know. Like, I have a startup, or I had a startup, and when I was launching the startup, the first thing that I was on my mind was I wanted the team around me. I I, I was like you don't see many women who like a all women's start startup team, you know, where, so I was like, you know what, let me find, I'm going to find a lot of the women that are around me are super smart, super creative. I'm going to put my, my team together as all women, all women, diverse, the whole bit, not because I was trying to show off or trying to prove it, but because their voices would give me a better product, a diverse group of people, Give me a more well-rounded product. It just 
is common sense. I don't understand why people don't understand these things. That the more people are inclusive, the more the more the better whatever you're doing is going to be. So I so one of the lines that somebody told me um, that I think explains that mentality is when you've always had privilege, equality feels like a loss or oppression mm. or something being taken from you. And I think that the key, as you said, is empathy and being able to, whether the person is Donald Trump, who, by the way, was not allowed to see his mother from age one to three at all. Whoa. She was locked in a room. The father was really, really, really mean to her Whoa. and actually institutionalized her and did horrible things to her. And so he was taught really that he was that that love was withheld from him, not because she wanted it to be, but it was. So he developed a very strange psychosis around females. And I think a lot of times because women are the mothers and when you're a little baby, you know, you feel powerless to that. When, when Sometimes when men get older, they feel like, now who's in charge? Right, right. You know, who's the man? Um, but, but again, these are all things that we can rationally talk about and move forward like a human like a human species because we're going to have to either evolve or mm. devolve evolve. and unfortunately if we keep messing with our soil and our air and our food and our illnesses and our health system being a sick care system all of that right and then we have another group of people that are going to like add ai and brain implants and modifications. So we're, we're, I see the human species bifurcating and mm. there's going to be, it seems like there's a class that will have, I, I can always be young. I can have my child be born genetically, you know, create some kind of wonderful genetics. And then we have, and I'm going to keep defunding public schools, keep incarcerating more people through a private prison system, sort of Squeeze the beast, as Chase Bank said in a in a memo to its upper clients. Squeeze the beast. So mm. if that's going to happen, then we're going to end up more and more and more separated until we truly are two different species. That's scary. It's very scary. And that's why women are so, 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 so important because the balance of our energy in this hyper-masculine, testosterone, violent, win-win-win, get-out-of-my-way world, even if we got to 30% participation, a lot of violence, a lot of that chaos, a lot of that one-upmanship would sort of fade away. And I think men would also start to feel less you know, put upon, like everything's on me, like everything's my fault. I got to do it all. If I don't bring it home, who's going to do it? They think right. I'm a useless sack of shit. No, no, no. We're right. in this, we're partners. Right. We can, you know, we can divide things up however, but you're not worth more than me. I'm not worth more than you. And together, it's like uh, Jeanette Rankin said, men and women are like right and left hands. It doesn't make sense not to use both. And but we're not using the women. Yeah. Proper. So, um, so what comes next for you? Like what, where? So you've done this, this wonderful piece of work. 
Um, what what's next for you, like uh, with within this movement, or you know, like do you do another doc? Do you do do you like wh- what do you where where are you going next with this? So two things happened when we won the Equal Rights Amendment. I decided, number one, I was going to gift myself my career back because I love to act and I, I've always done it. And I haven't done it this entire time because as soon as I found out that women weren't equal, I just said, well, let's fix that. And that was 15 years ago. Um so I got a new agent. I got a great new agent, Courtney Peldon at Aqua. I got a great new manager, Brandon Cohen. And we immediately set about to get me jobs. I got This Is Us within the first Yeah, so exciting. And then I, I just filmed Hacks, uh, the new season of Hacks. Oh, wow. And then last week I filmed the new season of Mayans, um, Mayans oh, Motorcycle Club off, really? opposite Eddie Almas. And I've written myself a pilot, a half-hour comedy pilot about my adventures in <laughs> the nexus between feminism and Hollywood. And uh, let's say it's Veep meets the Larry Sanders show. I was going to ask you about that because I, I was like, I saw you um, on the Gary Shandling show and you were so hilarious. And I was like, That's she should do I more comedy. Do yeah, I'm I'm all comedy now. This awesome. shit was so depressing, Darren, for 15 years, talking to little girls that had been raped and going to see 10-year-olds on the streets and all this, the horrible things. Oh, like the internet. Hmm. I was like, you know what? My gift to myself now is comedy. And I started studying at Actors Comedy Studio to get back in the game. I have a great comedy coach Gunnar Rohrbacher he teaches like really like because I hadn't really for 15 you gotta get back in you gotta yeah, get your you gotta muscles get that so I'm just again. like hustling it I did 57 casting workshops last year oh. I was I'm in class three days a week sometimes four wow. um, and I'm learning a new scene every day new lines every day because I'm back I want to be in comedy and I want to I want to bring joy and light and laughter because I brought a lot of pain I, by exposing this. It needed to be exposed. Now let's get it done and I will and as far as what am I still doing? I will never stop working for equality. I will never stop because the children count on us to leave them a world that's that's safe for them. Yep. For little girls, I can't do it. So, I just wish I could find a nickel to help me with that. I have a nonprofit and um, we're severely underfunded. Every time I get close to funding, like Apple was super duper close. Mm. Somebody from the big dogs comes out and badmouths me and says, do mm. not do this. In fact, just last week, I was about to do a PSA that was going to be seen by over 1 billion people. Whoa. And the night before they axed me. Wow. So it's it's heavy, but I can't I'm not taking it heavy because life is a game and we're here to have fun and make things better for everybody. Like you said, we're gonna be positive and we just won't stop. You know, I'm not scared of anybody. In comedy, like look, there are lots of ways to help people. Comedy's a great way of helping people as well. And because I feel like we we really could use a lot of comedy these days. Yes. 
We, we need we it. That's why my husband does a TV, uh, um, an online show called Lunch Therapy. Yes. I think you're going to be talking to him because when this whole thing started, everybody, especially creatives, felt so shut down. Like, we mm. can't perform. We can't go out. Mm. We can't work on scenes. Like, everybody got felt really scared. Like, what will I do? And most actors couldn't go to work because they couldn't wait tables. So it was like very scary. Comedians, mm. they could, couldn't do their live shows. So Joel was thinking, you know what? Instead of like all day being like, what's the COVID? What are the numbers? What are we doing? He's like, we're going to have an hour in the middle of the day to look at animals, make jokes, talk to each <laughs> other. Just, just, you know, because life is to be lived, not to be suffered. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, if we could all just work together, if you if you run into somebody like I just spent the past week with some very, very conservative Republican grandparents of my nephews. Mm. And what I've discovered is if you remove the propaganda words that are being fed to them through Newsmax and God knows where else. All right. We all want the same exact things. Right. We really, really do. They, they don't. You know, they don't want violence in the streets. They don't want people, us and them. They, neither of them were racist at all. Right. You know what I mean? Even though they were both white, he had served in the military in the Second World War. Wow. So he had a lot of friends that were blacks, and she is a forty-year nurse. So she worked with diverse people her whole career, but they still felt like, like really us, them, like, like we were trying to teach people to be ashamed of being white. And I said, look, the problem is in the title of whatever, whoever made critical race theory, the title had a, had an agenda and that Mm. agenda was wrong. The point is children need to understand the history of the country the way it was so that we can move forward and evolve. We can't just sweep that under the rug because then look what happens. It festers and bubbles. And then we see these eruptions and they're frightening and they make you feel alienated and make you feel like moving to Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Canada. Everybody. Oh, wait, you stay over there. Please don't come. (laughs) We don't want any y'all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all like one of the reasons why I do podcasts and stuff. Well, it was because um, I wanted a place where people could because we just come conversate, no no stress, no. There's nothing about no one's trying to get you, and there's no gotcha moments and stuff. I just like have, give people a place to want to share whatever it is they want to share at the time, you know, hopefully we all, there's some laughter on air and I can provide some positive, you know, a place for some positivity and some knowledge. And I think that's my way of kind of paying it into the, to, you know, the culture and, um, you know, comedy, comedy is you, you, you're such a good actress. I'm, I know you say you don't, you know, you've been out for a while, but I've watched you for, you know, in some of my favorite shows and 
I it's hard to believe that you don't still have it there. So you can do whatever you want. Comedy. I if you do comedy, I'm going to be right there because I think you would you're you're hilarious. And I'm thanks, Darren. Yeah, I, I have nothing but like great wishes for you because you've you've provided me with a lot of good moments in life. And so I wish all the best for you to kind of move forward and um into whatever you, you do next. You too, Darren. And I'm excited. I'm inviting you to come next Friday to the Museum in New York City Photographiska. That was featured on that new Netflix show, Inventing Anna. Have you been watching oh, that? You know, I it's on my it's on my list. Someone else asked me about it yesterday. Well, she's like trying to get the building. There's this whole thing about this building, and it mm. ends up being that building. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and Photographiska buys it from under her. So it's a big, it's a big plot point. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, I've know that. I mean, that building's iconic. I know that. I've no. I've gorgeous. Know, yeah. So that's crazy. Oh, I know. So our event, yeah, go check it out. Our event is, I think it's called Are Women Equal Now or something oh, okay. like that. It's March sixth at five p.m. at Photographiska. You can go to their website. And um, please come. I'll be there. Joel will be there. Natalie White, the artist, will be there. Thanks. And um, our attorney, Wendy Murphy, will be there. We're going to show the half-hour updated version of the film, which is called Legalize Equality, which included the Me Too movement and how that sort of played into this huge upsurge in awareness about what it is that being a woman in the United States is like. Mm. And I think Donald Trump certainly played his part in, you know, poking that balloon with the needle. Yeah. Um, And so I, I, I hope that uh, you will join us for the panel conversation, the screening and the party at this incredible place. Um, it fits, I think, um, only 150 people. So it's go there today and reserve your ticket. Wow. That's, I am so stoked. I can't wait to be there. Um, it is both because it's great, going to be great to meet you, but also because it's, it's important, I think, to, to, to see this and be part of this. Um, you know, last year, I did this um, online event during COVID for um, a group of women from the military who represented the postal service and had a documentary about them because they weren't, not a lot of people knew about them. And so I like these kind of documentaries because I like, there's so many great stories. There are so many things that are happening and so much knowledge that, filmmakers or storytellers are telling us that we need to take in and when I get a hold to one like this, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm very happy. I got the chance to, to meet you and to, to see your film. I still have to watch your episode of this is us. I have not seen that because I haven't watched this is us yet. I know beat me up, but no, no, no. I so honestly, much stuff to watch. Yeah. There's just so much great TV out there. I'm really excited about the change that I've just noticed in the 15 years that I was gone. Honestly, it's night and day. Let me yeah, tell you. There are going to be some set. fantastic opportunities Ooh, for you, I think. I hope so, Darren, from your <laughs> lips. 
<laughs> As they say, from your lips to God's Instagram. Okay, God's Instagram, get on it. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not going to keep you too much longer because I know you have other things to do, but I was, I'm very happy to have had this moment with you. And Thank you. you're welcome to come back on my podcast anytime you want, even if you just want to come out and say, hey, and then stop. And leave, you know. All right. And you're welcome to come shoot live at Fotografiska if you want to, if you want to um, sort of host because we're going to have a panel. There will be um, the museum shoots, but they just shoot like kind of a basic thing. Mm. If you want to come do a live feed, talk to people, ask them questions. Um, you're welcome to do that. And I can, or you can also just not work Maybe. and just hang out. Well, I don't know. I could actually do an Instagram live. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I, I, I got approval from them. I just need to tell them what's going on right before and who's doing what, and it'll be cool. I'm trying to get a stills photographer as well to come. If you, if you know I, anybody, I, I have a friend who's very good. Um, I will ask her if she's available and if so, I will put you guys together. Wonderful. She's, she's a super nice. She's like one of the nicest people I've ever met. So oh, and she's very good. I don't know anybody in New York anymore to help me with that. I will, I, I will ask her if she's available. She, um, she, we did, um, two years ago, I think it was two years ago inside, um, we did a, a Christmas event for dogs. So dogs oh. could come, like owners could come to the bin. Um, what's the uh, retail store? Uh, bin, uh, ben Nye? No. Oh, damn. I can't remember his, uh, the store, but Ben Sherman. Ben Sherman. There you go. Um, went to his store at his store and we had like a DJ. We had Santa Claus come and take pictures with all the dogs. And it was great. And she took I pictures. Love it. Yeah. So well, I'd love of, to meet her. Yeah, I will definitely um, put the two of you guys together. Okay. Well, Darren, this was so great. Thank you for this opportunity. And I can't wait to meet you in person and hang out in New York City. Yeah. Uh, Welcome back to New York. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time and being on my show. I'm very honored. And again, anytime you want to come back, let me know. And I will see you at the event. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Take care.